The following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. I'm going, we're, 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 in a, we're in a series. Brad started it last week. Did you enjoy Pastor Brad? Wasn't he, in, he was off the chain last week. He was off the chain. I, I spoke in Baton Rouge last week, and uh, we got to our hotel room, Patty and I did, and we pulled up the service on stream, and we had another service. We had two there, and then we had another one, because I'm used to three. We had another one there just sitting watching it, and we, we both cried when we watched the service and how the music was and how Pastor Brad preached on this beautiful thing called the Four Cups. And we're so excited about what God is going to give us this month of October. We're in a series the whole month, and we're going to be building towards some great things, and you don't want to miss a week of this series. We're calling it simply Four Cups. That's what we're calling it. And uh, I want you to say, Pastor, Pastor. Preach preach to us today. Let the Word touch my heart. Let it change my heart. Preach to us today. Let the word touch my mind. Let it change my mind. Preach to us today. Let me leave here a better person than what I was when I came in. And you may be seated. You're very, very awesome people, and I love you very much. So, Brad spoke last week on the surety of God's promises. There's around 7,000 promises in the Bible from the Lord. And every one of them have a yea beside them. There is no nay promises. There is no no's in God. Everything is a yes in His promise. God is able. He's able and He is willing. He's a willing God. He wants to give you the kingdom. He he delights in giving you good things. I've often said, I've often said that people that do not profess or have a Christian experience in their life do not really know what they are missing. They are missing the greatest joy in all the world to have a Jesus in their life. And today, in the next three weeks after today, we're going to be speaking about that. It's a spiritual journey that we're on. All of us are on it, whether we know what we're looking for or not, but we are thirsting for something. When God made us all, He put a God-shaped blank inside of all of us, and that God-shaped blank can only be filled by one, and that's God Almighty. And so the four, the four cups of Passover, even though it's not Easter, last week Brad introduced it as the promises of God. And the Lord made four specific promises to the people of Israel. When they, when they executed their first Passover in Exodus 12, you know they killed a one-year-old Paschal lamb and put the blood over the door and over the lintel. And, they, and, they, and the death angel came by that night and wherever the blood was applied... That angel passed over. That's why they called it Passover. That angel passed over and would not come into that house. But if the blood of the lamb was not applied, the firstborn of everything in the home, the firstborn son or daughter, the firstborn animals of all kinds, everything firstborn was taken. And so God gave these folks these beautiful promises during the time, during that time, just a a few chapters before that, He made these four core promises to the children of Israel. And at Passover every year, even now, even now in a Jewish home, the Jewish people celebrate these things. They call them the four core promises, and they they celebrate them with four cups of wine. And they have talked about them. They've read them out. 
They've celebrated them over the last 3,500 years. And God is saying to us through the promises He gave to His people, I want to do something for your life. I want to do something for your life that's just as real as what I did for my people. And so in Exodus chapter 6, we're going to look at these four promises just real quickly, then we're going to get into the one today. He said in 6, therefore, says, he says to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Everybody say, I will bring you out from under the yoke. It's God's desire, folks, to bring you out of the yoke that's on you. The Bible said his yoke is easy, his burden is light, but the yoke of sin is a tough yoke. And he said, I'm going to bring you out of that. His first promise is to bring you out. It's salvation promise. It's a promise that I'm going to give you something greater. The second promise that we'll be talking about next week is I will free you from being slaves to them. Slaves to what? Slaves to what you came out of. See, the problem is a lot of, a lot of these Israelites came out of Egypt but Egypt never came out of them. And they lived this life of what if. Let's go back. We don't like manna. Let's go back to the leeks and the garlics and the onions. Let's go back to the things that we came out of. And God is saying, no, 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 no. I want to bring something. I want to bring you out of something, but I want to bring something out of you in the process. And so he said, I will free you. I'll set you free. Then he said, I will redeem you, the third cup, with an outstretched arm and with a mighty axe of judgment. See, when he says, I'll free you, he's saying there, there's some hurts and there's some hang-ups and there's some habits that you have to get away from. I've got to get that out of your system. I've got to get you away from the things that you were under. And then he said, I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to redeem you. See, 87%, folks, of Christians never get to the third promise. They never get to the redemption because they're hung up on those habits. They're hung up on those addictions. They're hung up on those mindsets. But the word redeem literally means to discover your purpose. So the third week, we're going to be talking about, oh, I'm looking forward to the third week. We're going to be talking about discovering purpose. The two greatest days in your life are the day you're born and the day you know why you were born. That's the two greatest days in your life. And then, and then the Lord said the fourth promise, I will take you as my own people. This is the first time. He turns a you into people. He makes one into many. In other words, I'm going to place you in a committee. I'm going to place you in a group of people that have like precious thought processes. I'm going to put you in a life group. I'm going to put you in a, a group of people that have the same heartbeat, the same fellowship. I'm going to put you in a church. Religion, salvation is not just a church. Salvation is a relationship with Almighty God. And what I want to do, what I want to do today is preach to you this first cup. You see, the, 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 the greatest need of people in this earth is to make a difference in this earth. You want to make a difference. This great psychologist Maslow's hierarchy of needs was simply that. People want to make a difference. That's what it was all about. And so we're going to talk about salvation. We're going to talk about freedom. We're going to talk about restoration, and we're going to talk about fulfillment. And today, in the next three weeks, we're going to study each one of these four cups. So today, we're going to talk about being under the yoke. How many of you will let me preach the gospel to you today and say, Pastor, preach the gospel. We want to get out from under the yoke of sin. 
Somebody walked up to me after the first service today and said, were you surprised at the response of the people? There were probably 40, 45 people in the first service that came down for prayer today and came down for God to touch up, do something in their life. And I said, no, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't, it didn't bother me at all. And it didn't surprise me at all simply because there's a lot of hurting people in the world. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to talk to these people. I want to talk about the cup of salvation or the cup of sanctification today to bring you out. That's God's greatest desire. So let's read the text one more time. Exodus 6. I will bring you out. Say, I will bring you out from under the yoke. The devil's goal, folks, then as well as now, was to make you a slave in bondage. In the original story, Pharaoh kept those people in bondage three ways. And the same demon spirit that operated then is operating now. The spirit has never changed. It's the three goals, evil goals of the devil. Number one, Pharaoh forced those slaves to make bricks. He forced them to make bricks. He put them to work. Sometimes we don't understand why we feel enslaved. We feel enslaved. Slavery is not about being under the power of a person. It's submitting to a power of a dominant influence. Slavery can be to anything. It can be to a debt. It can be to a relationship. It can be to the expectation of others. It can be to guilt. There's a lot of guilt in the world. It can be to fear. It can be to anger. It can be to bitterness. Oh, that's a tough one. It can be to a schedule or even horrible, horrible habits. Slavery to sin, you end up serving it and it tells you what to do. So you feel enslaved. John 8 says this, Jesus said, I tell you most solemnly that anyone who chooses a life of sin is trapped in a dead end life and is in fact a slave. That's what Jesus said. See, a slave is transient who can't come and go at their own will and they feel trapped, they feel enslaved and God does not want you to feel that way. He doesn't want you making bricks the rest of your life at the expense of the world's economy. Amen? And the second thing that, that Pharaoh did, and, and please don't think I'm getting political here, but he murdered the babies. He murdered the babies. What he did was he destroyed the potential of tomorrow in Israel. When Moses was born, he tried to find, he tried to find all the babies. He tried to kill them all, and that's why Moses was hid in the Nile River in a, in a, in a little basket and was discovered by Pharaoh's own daughter and raised in the house. Isn't that amazing how God operates? Raised in the house where Pharaoh was trying to kill all the babies and the deliverer was right under his nose. I love how God operates. He's just a great God. But throughout history, the devil has always tried to kill children. And Pharaoh throws the babies in the Nile River. And Herod threw them off the roof in Jesus' day trying to destroy baby Jesus. His goal is to destroy potential. Now, I'm not trying to be political here today, but I believe with all my heart that when babies are killed, when babies are, are, are taken away from us, can I talk a little bit right now? When they're taken away, I think potential is taken from America. Who knows what is going to be born that's maybe sometime not born? Who knows what's going to come that's aborted? And I, and, and I just, I'm a, I'm a life man. I just believe this church ought to be a life church. Amen. This is a life church. This is a live church. And if, if that's happened in your life, God forgives and God goes on. And he'll wash you and he'll cleanse you. But I'm just speaking from my heart. I think potential ought to be birthed every time it can be birthed. Beethoven was the fourth child of his mother. And the doctor told Beethoven's mother 
that she needed to let that baby die because he was going to be afflicted. And he did come blind. He was blind. But all the music that the blind Beethoven brought us was out of this world. What I'm trying to say, folks, is that the enemy wants to destroy potential. And so he murders the thoughts. He murders those baby ideas. He murders those baby thought processes. He don't want you to think that you have potential. I was one of those kids. I was born very poor. My family was sharecropping. I was born very, very poor. And I used to sit on the back porch when I was a little old boy and say, God, will I ever matter in this world? Will I ever have a, have a clue to say? I was so shy, folks. I couldn't speak to people. I couldn't talk to people. I'd look down at the ground and talk to you. Like if I was talking here to Dickie, I'd be looking at the ground and say, how you doing, Dickie? You're all right? today and Dickie would say well I'm up here Rex I'm not down here I'm up here well I, how you doing and I duck down again and I start talking again and then when I lifted my eyes to talk I did this I just closed my eyes and I said well it's just good to be here good to see all of y'all today well I'm not seeing anything <laughs> had my eyes closed so one day I was taking I was this is before I was ever called to preach I was I was taking a speech class and I used to go by I, I had this grandma and grandpa that really liked me in a particular town, and they wanted me to come by for lunch every time I could. Well, every time I could was every day because I didn't have any money. I didn't have any money in college. I, I paid my way through college. I didn't have any money. So I'd go by their house, and she'd mix, fix stuff that I didn't like. She said, if you come here, you're going to eat what I prepare. And so I learned how to like collards and how to like greens and how to like spinach and all that stuff. She fixed that every day. She fixed one of those three every day. And, and so I, I went by there, and I said, I said, uh, Grace, I, I've got her name was Grace, by the way. And I said, Grace, I've, I've got a speech I've got to make today. Can I rehearse it with you? And so she said, yes. And so I started talking my speech. And I looked down at the ground, and I was talking my speech. And then she said, look at me when you talk. <laughs> Somebody said, that's right over here. <laughs> and I looked up, and when I looked up, I closed my eyes. And I said, because I thought I could think better with my eyes closed or something. I don't know what it was. It was shyness. It was the fact that I didn't think I had anything good to say. Hell was trying to steal my potential, trying to take away what God had placed in my heart, a word, a, a voice, a voice. And I'll never forget, I'll never forget when I hugged the ex-governor's neck several years ago. And I, I used this at a, at, a, at, a, at, a, at a state meeting one time. And, and the governor came up and hugged me and he said, thank God that you allowed your voice to live. And he said, I asked God for a voice, but he said, I just got to be the governor of the state. You get to preach people to heaven. You got a whole lot bigger voice than I do. And it made me feel so good that the governor thought that about me. But the bottom line is, she said, look at me when you talk. She said, if you're going to speak to me, you're going to look at me. And, and you know what? Every time I'd come back around her, she's the reason I can look at people right now. And I can talk without looking down and looking around and looking at the ground and closing my eyes because I've got something to tell you. Jesus loves every one of you in this house today. He loves every one of you. And you've got potential. You've got potential in your life. You've got something that nobody else has. You're a unique individual yourself. Why don't you just stand up and declare it in your life one day and say, I've got what he needs in my life because God is for me. Come on, clap your hands and rejoice to that. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. When people lose their potential, they feel empty. See, the greatest tragedy, folks, is not death. It's going through your entire life without knowing your purpose. Why don't I feel more meaning, Pastor? What's the meaning of all this? And so you feel empty. The third thing he did, he required them to collect their own straw. Now, this is one that's it's very important to me. Because slavery wasn't enough to Pharaoh. 
making bricks wasn't enough. Pharaoh makes them get up earlier to get straw. Now added more to the pile. Extra work, overload, overload. People say, Pastor, you know, I'm tired all the time. I can't keep up with the pace. I'm overworked. I'm overloaded. I'm stressed out. I'm stressed to the limit. My patient level is low. I get anger easily because I'm just stretched. I'm overworked. I'm overloaded. Let me write on the screen something that you need to hear. Burnout doesn't come from how much you do. It comes from doing things that have no purpose. That's why you can go on vacation and come home tireder than you was when you left. Somebody said, do you ever feel like you're going to get burned out, Pastor, by preaching the gospel? I could preach eight times a day if I had the physical strength. Because preaching the gospel never will burn you out. Because it has purpose. It has purpose. You need to start living your life on purpose. And when you live your life for purpose, all of a sudden the burnout starts going away and the burn up starts coming on. Amen. And you start feeling the glow of the Holy Ghost in your life. Come on, clap your hands and rejoice to that. You may feel a little tired today, a little worn out. You may be on the edge, feel like giving up. But I've been praying for you that God let me preach to you today. It's your enemy. He's trying to put you in to bondage. So you feel enslaved. You feel empty and you feel exhausted. You feel that way because all these things, the spirit of hell is still bringing those things to your life. I don't believe anyone here is by accident. I believe all of us are here by appointment. And God knew you'd be here today. And that's what the resurrection is all about. That's why Jesus came and he conquered hell and he conquered death. So that you could be free from hell and free from death. John 10 said the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. God came to give to you your life back. God robed himself in the flesh to give your life back. And in Romans 8 he said it stands to reason doesn't it. That if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life. He'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. And when God lives and breathes in you, you are delivered from that dead life with his spirit living in you. Your body will be as alive as Christ was. Anybody want to be alive like Christ was? Come on now. He said, I will bring you out from the yoke of bondage. He wants to save you from that situation. He wants to bring you out of that situation. Again, that's what the resurrection's all about. To close the gap between the life you are living and the life you could live. And that's what he came to do. 1 Peter chapter 1 says a lot of scripture because Jesus was raised from the dead. We've been given a brand new life to have everything to live for including a future in heaven. And the future starts right now. I'm going I'm I'm to make a declaration here, and, and it's going to put me out on an island, and you may separate yourself from my thought process after I do this, but I'm going to put myself out here today. I believe that we are in the process right now of stepping from like B.C. was to A.D. at the birth of Christ. I think we have moved into the end time. I think the end time is upon us right now as never before. I have never seen violence. I've never seen hate. I've never seen earthquakes. I've never seen storms. I've never seen things happen. I've never seen the stars aligned as they are. I've never seen things happen the way they are. The prophecies that we've been talking about for years are all coming to pass and they're right now present with us. 
Here's what I'm trying to tell you. If you ever would make a decision to live for Jesus Christ, that decision needs to be made right now. It needs to be made. You need to wake up and say, I'm tired. I'm tired of procrastinating. I'm tired of pushing it off. I'm ready to step up to the plate and make a decision for the Lord Jesus Christ today. Amen? I need to make that happen. There's a beautiful story in the book of Acts chapter 12, a beautiful, beautiful story. It's the story of Peter in prison. Now, I know Peter was an apostle, and I know that he was a man that was a, 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 good, for, a good person, but he, he, had a lot of, he had a lot of hang-ups. He had a lot of hang-ups. Had a lot of hang-ups. And, but he was in prison knowing that the next morning he was going to have a death nail in his life. He knew that he was going to die. He was between two guards. Now, watch this now. There was two wards that he was behind. A ward was like a, a breach that they had to go through, a, a protected area. He was behind two wards, and then there was an iron gate that led out to the street. And when, and when Peter was in the middle of that prison, an angel appeared to him and said, Pete, get up, put your sandals on. And the shackles fell off. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is what I'm preaching about today. And he said, come on, follow me. Now, I want to say the first ward is your past. The second ward is your present. And the third ward, or the third, the iron gate, is your future. And what the Lord wants to do is to lift you up in the middle of your stuff, in the middle of your Egypt, in the middle of your pain, in the middle of your pitiness, in the middle of your hurt, in the middle of your tragedy, in the middle of your hurting, in the middle of all the stuff that's going on in your life. And he says, follow me. I'm going to take you past the ward of your past. I'm going to take you past the ward of your present. I'm going to lead you out here to this iron gate. It's going to open up of its own accord. And I'm not just going to take care of your past and present. I'm going to give you a future. I'm going to give you a future that you cannot believe. And the Bible said that Pete thought it was a vision because he could not believe he was literally walking out. I'm going to declare to you, if Peter walked out of that prison, you can walk out of your Egypt today. You can walk out of your pain today. You can walk out of your tragedy today. You can walk out of your hurt today. You can walk out of all the things that are bothering you today and have a future that only Jesus can give in your life. Wow. I get passionate preaching about this Savior. And so Pete gets on the street. Notice he didn't put him in, he didn't put him in a church. He just put him on the street. Pete made up his mind to go to a church, go to a house, a prayer, prayer house, John Mark Mother's house. He found the prayer meeting, and when he got there, there's prayer prayer to be released, and when he came and knocked on the door, they didn't believe it was him. That's, where, that's the world we're living in. We don't believe that God can do it. But I, I, want, I want to declare something to you right now. In the first service, there was a former gang leader that was in this church that's been saved by the grace of God. And he's as kind as any baby that walks. In the first service, there was a man that spent a lot of years in prison because he was a murderer. In the first service, there were women that had walked the streets of our city that no longer walked the streets of our city. In the first service, there were drug dealers in the house that are no longer drug dealers. And in this service, I could say the same thing. But I'm telling you that Jesus wants to take you out of your past and take you past your present and give you a future. Give you a future that only he can give you, that only he can bless you with. 
because nobody can open the gates like Jesus can. Nobody can open the gates like Jesus can. And the Bible said, I, I know you're being responsive today. I'm preaching a little bit outside the lines, but I feel the Lord here today. I want Jesus to turn lives around this next month. I want him to turn lives around. It's time to get yourself right with Jesus Christ. Bible said Peter said he said now I know of a surety verse 11 chapter 12 of Acts that God's delivered me out of the hand of Herod which I will term as hell he's delivered me out of hell and from the expectation of the Jews here's what I love there's a lot of people going to get saved in this church going to get filled with the Holy Ghost in this church that people are going to say I, I can't believe that old boy found Jesus I know him that's a bad dude. Yeah, but when Jesus gets a hold of you. I know that woman. Man, she wear you out. That won't wear you out. She had a tongue that could talk a thousand miles an hour and gust up to two thousand miles an hour. And it wasn't kind words. Yeah, but you don't know what Jesus can do. I know that young person. Yeah, you know, a person's been rebellious to his parents. He's been running wild all the time. But now you're saying he's going to preach? Yeah, he's going to preach because God gave him something greater than the world could have in his life. He said, I'm going to bring you out from under the yoke. I'm going to bring you out and I'm going to put you where you need to be. Aren't you glad we have a Jesus that can turn your life around? The reason I tell you these stories is to build your confidence to know that if he did it for the Israelites, he did it for Simon Peter, he can do it for you. Many of you, God's already been dealing with you about this. Let me ask you two questions. I, I, I need to hurry to the finish. How do we get there? How do, how do we get in that bondage? How do you get there? You just drifted. Really, you just drifted. You just turned off the engine, let your boat just drift. You just drifted. You're busy. You didn't mean to. You didn't mean to get away. You just did. You drifted. You used to go to church with grandma. You used to go to church with grandpa. And you just drifted. And now you, you need Jesus in your life. Maybe someone led you away. Maybe a relationship. You had a bad experience with a church. Religion turned you off. You got mad at God with someone else, with family, with authority perhaps. You thought it was about that situation. The devil used it to get you into bondage. And bondage is horrible. You made some bad choices, maybe a generational curse. Maybe dad was bad, and so you're bad. Maybe mom did some things, and it just passed down. And you say, it's where it's going to be the rest of my life. No, it's not. It's not going to be that way the rest of your life. Jesus can stop generational curses right now. Right now. That's what happened to the children of Israel. They ended up in Egypt. They drifted. They betrayed. They made some bad choices, never thinking it would turn out the way it did. Here's the second question. How do we get out? How do we get out? So I'm going to preach to you. If the first promise from God is to bring us out of bondage, how do we drink from the first cup? Number one, you've got to make the move. There's a lot of people that come to church and just sit there and say, you know what? If God wants me to change, he'll just come change me. He'll be like Mr. Clean. He'll find me and just come scrub me. No, no. God made a statement one time, if you will, I will. If you'll make one step, 
the prodigal was walking home and the dad was running to him. It's an amazing thing, but you've got to make the move. And the word, the key word there is repent. You've got to learn how to say, I'm sorry. You've got to make a decision. You've got to be tired of where you are. It's time to make a move. You've known it for a long time. 2 Corinthians says, therefore, come out from among them. And be separate, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. And I will receive you, and I will be a father to you, and you'll be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Here's what I want to tell you. You can't be in both places. You can't be here Monday through Friday and then kind of get cleaned up on Saturday and be in church on Sunday. You can't do that. You've got to be, if you're walking this way, what repentance is, is a 180. You say, you know what? I'm tired of going down this path. I'm going to turn around and go back this path and I'm going to leave those things behind and I'm going to start walking to him because I want to live for God. I want to get out of that situation. I want to get out of it. Can I tell you, in Mark chapter 5, Jesus lands on an island called Gadara and there's a man there that has 2,000 devils in him and he's chained in a cave and they're trying to hold him back but he walks out of that cave, he runs to Jesus and he falls down and worships him. Here's what I want to tell you. If a man with 2,000 demons can come out of a cave and fall down and worship Jesus, what's your excuse? You have no excuse. You need to step up from where you are right now and be bold enough to say, I'm going to fall at his feet. I'm going to repent of my sins today. And I'm going to let God cleanse my heart. The Bible said in Luke chapter 15 that angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner that repents. If repentance is not anything, then why do angels have a recess and have camp meeting in heaven? Because it does matter. It does matter. It matters when you say, forgive me, Lord. I preached one time, God still allows you turns. The second thing you have to do is let it go. The key word there is surrender. You've got to let it go. It always requires you to let something go. Mark chapter 8 said, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way to saving yourself. You know, it's an amazing thing how people hold on to things that they know is going to kill them. It'll destroy them. It literally will destroy their life. And they keep holding on. We've got seven grandkids. And we've gone through all the, all the forks and the knives and the spoons and the, and the serrated knives and, you know, the meat cutting forks and all that. And every one of our kids have gone, every one of them have gone to the drawer and pulled out, well, let's talk about a fork. One of my grandkids, when this little young, they just grabbed a fork and, and the business end was facing them. And I could just see them poking themselves in the eye, you know. Well, this is a fork. What does it do? You know. And you have to be real careful. You walk over and say, now, now baby, let, let Bo have that. Let me have that. Come on, let me have that. No. Let me have it. No. And then they, then they graduate to, to kitchen knives, you know, butter knives. And they got a little edge on them, and they'll cut you. And, and then they get on the business end of that one. They never get the right end. They work on the bottom side of a fork, and they get the business end of a knife. And then they find the top drawer, and then they get a hold of a cutting knife. 
that'll slice. I mean, it's, it's, it's sharp. They'll slice you. And they get a hold of the business end of that. And you think, oh, God, what am I going to do here? So you go up real calm, real calm, real easy to them. And I'm fixed to give you the solution here. I'm fixed to give you the solution. And then a meat-cutting scissors. Boy, them will tear you up. And you say, oh, God, we've gone through the whole scenario in our family. And here's what I've determined is the key. I go up and I've got candy in my hand. <laughs> and I say, give that to Bo. Look what I got. <laughs> Trade. And Jesus does that. He says, give me your, give me your rags. I'm going to give you a garment of beauty. Give me your mourning. And I'll give you the joy of, uh, 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 the oil of joy. Give me your sadness. And I'll give you gladness. Give me your heartbreak and I'll put a joy that's unspeakable and full of glory in you. You've got to understand that when you let go, when you let go of some things, God's got something better than you could ever imagine to give back to you. Oh, somebody help me preach right now. Clap your hands and say, I found it. I have found that peace. I found that joy. I have found that contentment in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Randy, help me. The third thing is you've got to commit your life. You have to commit your life. You've got to commit. There's not a lot of commitment in the world today. People just kind of just want to get through, you know. I got, I got, I got, I got a word for millennials: commit, step up. My dad was a part of the greatest generation. Tom Brokaw wrote a book about my daddy. <laughs> he didn't really, but my dad's in that book because my dad is everything that Brokaw wrote about, and I'm the son of that, and so I'm, I'm a boomer. And so then, then we came on down the line, and, and, and then, then we had the post-boomers, and now we have the millennials. And it seems like it's a sectarian cycle. It seemed like in my dad's day it was God-centered, then it became parent-centered, then it became me-centered, then it was, it's lost. And, 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 and I, I, want, I want to say something to you. You're not going to make this journey by yourself. You need a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to commit to something. When Peter got on the street in Acts 12, he didn't stay just on the street with his newfound freedom. He found a place where community dwelt, where a family was. He put himself there, and they rejoiced at the fact that God had brought Pete back out of prison. And folks, I'm going to tell you something. I love this church more than I love life. If this, if this was taken from me, if some government came in and took this from me, it would grieve me probably to my grave because I love to see the change in people's lives when they come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. He can't just be your Savior. He's got to be your Lord. He's got to be the Lord of all. 
You've got to not only surrender some things, you've got to commit. You have to commit to Him. And when you commit, well, what a, what a happy day. What a happy day. I received the baptism when I was nine years old. And, and then I got, I got colleged. And although I didn't, I didn't go to the recesses of, of sin, I, I allowed my, my thinking to become very, very, very platonic, very outside the lines. Well, you know, you know, you know. And before I knew it, I was in a bondage. I was in a place in my life that I didn't want to be in my life. And I remember one night, I was in a, a red hot service and the preacher just gave an altar appeal and and I went down to the front and I laid it on the altar I, I laid my relationships I laid my want to's I laid my de personal desires I laid them all on the altar and when I got up from that altar I realized the reason I did that is because God had something so much greater for me so much greater and one day I'll I'll tell my story a little bit but I, I'm, I'm here to declare to you something right now I'm here to tell you something that Jesus said I will bring you out and when he makes that promise he'll keep his word because he cannot deny himself he is who he is and he can't deny it would you stand you're incredible people I love you so much. So this week I was just kind of thinking, you know, A, B, C, D, the A, B, C's, D's, E, F, G, H, I, just the alphabet. And I want you to bow your heads just a moment, and I want to do something here today. I want to do something. We've got a little time. I want to do something real special for this church. Close your eyes and bow your heads, and, and I want to ask you this question. If you're an A, you're already a Christian. I thank God for that. You're already a child of God. You know what I'm talking about. That's why there was such a response today because you understand what I'm talking about. If you're a B, you're saying, Pastor, I, I'm not a Christian, but I believe today and I'm beginning right now to want something in my life to change. I want something to change in my life. If you're a C, you're saying, you know, I'll, I'll check it out. I'll consider what God wants from me. I know, I know it's difficult to walk in here, preach or preach for the first or second time in your life or hear somebody plead with you like I have today about Jesus. But I will check it out, Pastor. If you're a D, you're saying simply don't ever intend to do this God thing. I don't need God. I hope that somehow before you leave, a D can become a C and a C can become a B and a B can become can I tell you, Jesus grades on a curve. <laughs> and if you'll just make an effort to step out from where you are, I'm not calling the prayer partners, but I'm going to call those people that would just like to come and say, Pastor, I want to believe today. I want to believe that Jesus can do what you said he could do, and he can bring me out. He can bring me out. 
Would you come and let me just pray with you today? I promise I'll pray for everybody in this room. I'll pray for every one of you. I'll come down off this platform and I'll pray for every one of you. Who wants to come? Who wants to come and stand here with me right now? Come on down right now, Pastor. I believe. Come on. I believe. Thank you, son. Thank you so much, son. Thank you.